being a mentor to many feels like I have to be always on. I have to be supporting my the young person uh, who I matched with, uh, you know, at, at all times. For us, what we know is that just being present is is important and just being persistent. Technology has been just a really critical place for us to invest in and to really grow our mission. We know that we have a waiting list of 30,000 kids. We know that currently one in three kids in America say they're growing up without a positive adult mentor. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm speaking with Adam Vassallo, the CMO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. I'm sure you've all heard of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, but what you may not know is that the company was founded in 1904 and has served over 2 million youth with life-changing mentorship opportunities. Adam has been with Big Brothers Big Sisters of America since 2018, generating awareness for the organization, inspiring volunteerism, and bringing the brand's commitment to youth equity to life. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining me. I am so excited for this conversation. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do with Big Brothers Big Sisters of America to start us off. Lauren, great introduction. Thank you so much. And I'll add one note that those 2 million youth that have been served, that's in the past 10 years. Uh, so just an incredible growth. We, we have an estimated 20 million alumni and champions across the country right now, which is something that's possible when you were founded over 100 years ago. So really excited to be a part of this mission. As a chief marketing officer, I think I have a unique role in that my original involvement with Big Brothers Big Sisters started in a past life when I worked uh, for a for-profit company, but I uh, was invited to attend an orientation that my company was holding for Big Brothers Big Sisters, recruiting volunteers to join the mission to become what we call bigs. Uh, in our program, the mentors are called bigs. And our mentees, the young people who are enrolled in our program, are called Littles. Uh, so I went to a, I went to a workshop uh, at our company that was recruiting uh, big. Our local Big Brothers Big Sisters office was was uh, was on campus, and I went reluctantly. You know, a few of my coworkers encouraged me to go. At the time, uh, what they said was they needed more men, so I felt like I had a lot of pressure from a lot of my coworkers to go and to attend. But it was a life changing decision, life impacting decision for me. I became a big brother to my my first little brother, Adrian. He was in the sixth grade. Uh, we were matched from the time he was in the sixth grade until he graduated from high school. He went on to be a college football player. And today he's an adult. He's a, he's a father of two. We're still friends to this day. He's refereed in my son's flag football league. Uh, but it started just for me a, a life-changing bond with somebody that I would have never met had it not been for the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. And so I became a volunteer. Then I became like a part of their Young Professional Council for Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Tampa Bay. That's a plug for uh, where I was living at the time. And then, you know, I joined like a junior board. All of these things happened. And then one day I received a call uh, that I was being recruited for a role at the National Office for Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. And it felt like a culmination of all of this work. It never, it never felt like I was doing work, charity, nonprofit. This was just a passion. And now I get to do this passion every day, but with an impact far beyond the community where I live and across the United States. So, so it's a it's been a personal passion uh, project for me. But uh, at Big Brothers Big Sisters, I oversee marketing. Uh, it's the full gamut. It's it's everything from the brand to the creative to our digital experiences, and we we have a, a really exciting time right now as an organization uh, committed to growing. Uh, as you mentioned in the opening, we were founded in the early 1900s, 1904, um, but our mission has never been more relevant than it is today. Back in 1904, we were uh, founded by a gentleman named Ernest Coulter, and he was a clerk of court in the New York City Children's Court. And every day he saw too many kids coming through the court system. 
And what he realized was these kids weren't necessarily doing anything wrong or purposely getting in trouble. They didn't have they didn't have guidance. They didn't have a positive adult. And so you can imagine what situations were like in 1904. And and uh, Ernest got a group of his friends together and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna look after young people in this community. We're all gonna mentor." A young person in our community and from from that founding in 1904 our organization has grown to to be 230 local big brothers big sisters across all 50 states in the united states collectively serving 5,000 communities and again that mission really founded as a as through a commitment to uh, justice you know we were innovative alternative to the ju juvenile justice system so founded through those pillars of justice equity diversity inclusion being an organization whose work has, has remained relevant and has remained important. And now uh, I have the important role of making sure that it's relevant to the outside audience, to our potential supporters and donors and volunteers who are out there uh, in the world today. Ah, that's amazing. Like what incredible impact. And it's so cool to be speaking to someone who is coming from a company that's been around for so long. Like we don't often get to dive into history like what Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America has really created. So I'm so excited. So as we are talking about customer experience on this show, I'd love to just tee us off by understanding a little bit more about who you would define as your customer. Because I'm sure there's a few different parts of that. There, there are a few, different, a, a few different parts of it. And so for us at Big Brothers, Big Sisters, especially at Big, I'll start even with Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America, because our customers are a little bit different than our, our local agencies. First and foremost, we are a federated model. Those 230 local Big Brothers Big Sisters offices are their own 501c3s with their own governing boards and their own CEOs and executive directors. And so our number one customers are our local agencies who are matching volunteers with young people in their communities and supporting families. And so from a, from a marketing perspective, our customers are our local agencies, making sure they're equipped, making sure they're trained and they have the resources that they need to carry out the mission and to uh, create positive uh, change and be advocates for positive change in their communities across the country. I just mentioned a few of those other customers, though. Uh, first and foremost, other families that we serve, um, the, the, the parents and guardians who enroll a young person in our program uh, to receive mentorship. Of course, the young people in our program, they're at the center of our mission. Um, everything we do is to, is to empower the young people in our program. So you can picture a world where we have a, a little, a young person in our program, uh, who's surrounded by those critical supports, none more important than that parent or guardian who took the first step to enroll them in our program. And then you have the Big Brothers, Big Sisters Agency. Those are the caring professionals who support our young people and our volunteers. And then that's the other group, the volunteers, right? They're so critical. Uh, they're the big, they're the person uh, who comes in and together, um, this isn't one person supporting the other. It's the big and the little uh, benefiting from mentorship together. About 60% of our alumni bigs, our mentors in our program, say that their relationship with their little changed their life for the better. So frequently when you hear a mentorship program, everybody thinks it's the younger person who's benefiting. Uh, we know it's both the big and the little who, who are benefiting. And so those volunteers are our programs. And then we have a lot of you know very focused groups. I mentioned our alumni are critically important to us. So those are alumni bigs and alumni littles. But then we know that there's the parent involvement. Our best advocates and our best spokespeople for our program are our parents, uh, so we call them our champions. So, yeah, we have a lot of a lot of uh, great audiences are very focused on the, the experiences that we we give them um, because they do become our best advocates and, and influencers in their community. Mm. Oh, that's so awesome. So, tell me a little bit more about how you bring in those bigs. I'm imagining that that might be 
the greater challenge of the champions and the littles. But how do how are you going about attracting people like yourself who were maybe hesitant to to join the to join these programs? Yeah, from a volunteer recruitment standpoint, you know, I I, I often share. Big Brothers Big Sisters, one of our goals is to be the most culturally relevant nonprofit, the most culturally relevant brand. Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is intercept people out in the world who had no thought or belief or inkling that they were going to sign up to become a mentor and to become a big. Just last month, September 14th, we launched a new national brand campaign. It's called It Takes Little to Be Big. And it was created through insights that we had we had done with those core audiences we just talked about, with our volunteers, our potential donors, our alumni. And what we found in, the, in, that, in those consumer insights and in that research was that there were two barriers that existed for potential volunteers coming into our mission. One was the barrier of time, which is very clear. We're all busy, right? We, we don't have time for, uh, we have time for work. We have time for our families. And then beyond there, it starts to stretch where you're going to spend those, those very precious hours that you have. Being a mentor to many feels like I have to be always on. I have to be supporting my the young person uh, who I matched with, uh, you know, at, at all times. For us, what we know is that just being present is is important, and just being persistent. The other barrier that we identified was this this notion that we call the burden of mentorship, and it's that we as potential mentors, I was a potential mentor at the time, we kind of build it up in our heads. I remember going to that recruitment session uh, at my at my former employer. And thinking to myself, like all of the reasons I shouldn't do it, right? I was a recent college grad. What did I know, right? Well, what was my lived experience? And we hear that from potential volunteers. They say, you know, I don't have superpowers. I can't be a superhero. I haven't gone to school to, to, to learn mentorship or to support a young person. And again, the truth is, is that it doesn't take much to make an impact. And um, for us, it's those everyday activities. And so through our campaign, that's one thing that we've been able to bring to life is that the power, the impact of mentorship comes to life in the things that we as adults don't think about every day. You know, 15 minutes over a pizza at a pizza parlor, uh, 30 minutes over a cup of coffee, maybe playing chess in the park. These are the things and these are the conversations because in each of these interactions, there's this conversation, there's this relationship, there's trust being developed. And those are the things that have a significant impact on our young people. They're not superhero powers and they're not things that are incredible feats that have to be achieved. It's it's the everyday support and activity and conversation. Uh, again, being persistent and being present, those are the only two things required to be a great uh, big in our program. So from a, so from a volunteer uh, recruitment perspective, where we're really focused is putting, making sure that our mission's out there because we, we have to find as many bigs and littles and, and champions as we can. And so from a volunteer recruitment perspective, we strategically leverage corporate partnerships, media partnerships to attract uh, the volunteers that we need. And for Big Brothers Big Sisters, our priority audience is men. We always have a need for more men. So all the men out there, visit bebignow.org, um, sign up, give a little time. You'll see give a little time on our website. Um, we always need men to sign up to be mentorship. So as we rolled out our national campaign, we've been very strategic with where we're activating and where we're reaching out fandom, right? You know, popular millions of followers, significant male audience. That's a place where we're, where we're uh, reaching out. You know, we're using our social media platforms to target uh, male audiences with an interest in volunteering or giving back to their community or being positive change. Um, we're partnering with uh, Bounce television platform. We actually just, if anybody's familiar with uh, with Bounce, it's a, a script zone platform 
original content, and we were featured on a show called Johnson, which features uh, uh, four friends, uh, adult male friends, yeah, kind of going through life. And uh, we were able to create a, an opportunity to highlight the work of Big Brothers Big Sisters within the show. And so these are just those real life examples where we're able to actually put Big Brothers Big Sisters in front of our targeted audiences. And then, and then the third part that I'll just share around volunteer recruitment is there's no better advocate for our mission than individuals who have been a part of our program. They're our best champions. And so uh, resourcing uh, and providing platforms for our bigs and our littles and our alumni bigs and our alumni littles to share their experiences, to, to share that it doesn't take much to make an impact. It just takes being present is critically important for us. And so um, with our national brand campaign, we actually have um, uh, a user, like a user generated uh, component uh, and it's called a million little moments. And we've created a million little moments for those alumni of our program, those bigs and littles to come back and share their experiences and use their platforms, use their social media channels, use their friends, their followers, their fans to to encourage um, to encourage others to get involved and to become a mentor with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Wow. Thank you so much for laying all of that out. I mean, it sounds like you're really taking an approach of like bringing so much relevancy to today, you know, like that using these channels that people are on where I feel like nonprofits can often struggle to really connect with like the modern customer, let's call it, or in this case, you know, just people who are available to to be mentors, whether they know it or not. So tell me a little bit about what happens once people sign up. How did they then like move through the program and how do you as Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America continue to engage them throughout their their mentorship yeah i'll I'll start i'll start even kind of addressing what you shared is is you know we see it as we're an organization that we are we are people we are relationship based and that that is not just our mission but it's a part of every experience that we have and so so you sign up right so you go to bebignow.org you sign up to become a, a big uh, you're going to enter your zip code. It's going to it's going to send you to uh, your local Big Brothers Big Sisters agency. So you start the process, and so one thing that it, we're we're you know as part of the campaign, you get to do a lot of testing. So we're doing a lot of testing around just quick automated journeys, so that as soon as you sign up, you get a you know you get a welcome. It's personalized. Maybe maybe you're returning. Maybe you are new to the mission, but just a quick introduction gets you into the mission and gets you into Big Brothers Big Sisters and make you feel that warm welcome. Uh, but you're quickly engaged with your local Big Brothers Big Sisters office. So whoever's in your community that is, uh, you know, uh, supporting volunteer engagement at the Big Brothers Big Sisters office will be in contact with you. And we have a, a quick interview process because um, this is the most important step in our mission is making sure that we're making the right matches. I'll use my example of myself and Adrian, my first little brother. They want uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters is very good. Again, over 100 years of making relationships, strong relationships that last. Our average matches, mentorship matches, last over three years. And so uh, that's significant because the requirement is only for one year, that a big and little must be matched for one year. So we're exceeding, you know, we're exceeding that that um, that minimum. So during the interview process, we ask a series of questions of first the parent and the guardian, first the young person, and then the volunteer big because we're trying to find that right match. Uh, when I was matched with Adrian, our match support specialist identified, hey, you both love sports, specifically football. You have a passion for football. That was where we rooted everything. And of course, our relationship and our friendship grew um, once we were actually matched. But so during that process, interview focused on making the best pots possible mentorship match. 
Um, then there's a meeting where the potential big gets to meet with the parent and the guardian and the young person. And that's where, uh, from that conversation, the decisions made ultimately are the parents and guardians that enroll their young person get to decide if they want to move forward with that mentor. In many cases, they do, obviously, because uh, we, we have a really great process for those developments. Then once it's created, we know from, from our research that there's a fear, there's this burden of mentorship concern. And so what we immediately start to do is to train our volunteers and provide them with the resources and tools to make them comfortable being the best possible mentor they can be to their young person. And so we have a series of trainings um, that uh, we created a, a platform uh, about five years ago. It's called the Learning Exchange. It is our online learning platform with quick, easy modules our bigs, our, our bigs can quickly complete, but just to help them make them feel resourced. Then once you're matched with your little, this isn't like, hey, big and little, go out and, and conquer the world. And in many cases, they do conquer the world, but they do that with a third party. And that is our match support specialist. So these are professional staff members who are there to only make sure that our bigs and littles stay connected, are hitting their goals. Every match has goals that they want to reach, making sure that uh, communications are okay, that the meeting times are okay, just making sure that the entire experience is supported. And it goes such a long way. I can speak from experience as a big that having that match support specialist is just a, a key important um, cog for us. And, and frequently it's a differentiator for our mission that we're able to have this, you know, professional staff person walking alongside each of our matches. And it's a really a key to, to keeping our relationship strong. And then, um, once you're, once you're a part of our mission, there's so many ways to get involved. There's local events, there's opportunities for you as a volunteer big to recruit your friends and recruit others. And we provide those resources and tools. So you really become a part of a, you know, of, of a family. When, when joining Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And uh, again, I, I get to kind of speak from experience there. Uh, that's beautiful. So I always like to ask a little bit about what's in the back end? What's behind the curtain of this incredible experience that you're creating? What kind of technology are you using to, I know you had mentioned like personalization when people are signing up, as well as your the specialists that are actually like nurturing that relationship. What are they using to really keep track of everyone? And, and how are you kind of setting that up on the back end? Um, at the core of our program, child safety, youth protection, is critically important. So as an organization, we've always been committed to, you know, having the data and this, you know, keeping track of our matches. That's where the match support specialists play such a critical role for us. And so uh, at Big Rose Big Sisters, uh, about, but when I started about five years ago, we made a transition to a Salesforce platform. And so we have benefited greatly um, from uh, working with Salesforce. We call our internal platform, we call it Matchforce, because uh, it's all about the bigs and littles. So it's a place where they all live. So when when a volunteer starts a process, they come in, uh, they enroll on Big Brothers Big Sisters, they're immediately put in our Matchforce process. That's where their journey begins. It's a, ch it's a chance for us to talk to our matches, for us to engage with them, share uh, um, it, to, to our potential mentors, to share information about upcoming trainings, to share up, uh, opportunities of uh, when, you know, when are they going to come in for their interview? Has it been scheduled? What's the follow-up? When are they meeting family? Um, so it, it allows us to kind of keep everything in one stream. At the same time, our littles who enroll in our program, we do have a waiting list. Like right now, there's 30,000 kids currently waiting to be matched by a mentor. So that's why we're always working. Those littles also end up in this in this match force uh, platform. And so that's where we're kind of working from a queue uh, to, to develop them and build them. But then our Salesforce uh, universe, uh, it continues to all of our so it goes beyond the volunteers. It's also our donor platform. Um, we recently uh, created a national CRM, the first one that we've had in our organization. And it now look, allows us to look at prospects and champions and individuals that want to support Big Brothers Big Sisters, 
but with um, kind of a, a cross-country view. As you can imagine, we have 20 million alumni champions across the country. Some of those alumni might have been a big brother in San Francisco when they first started their career, but now they live uh, in Virginia. How do we keep them connected with our mission? The key to doing so is to, is to have this national CRM where we're now able to identify, uh, keep them together, and maybe introduce them to that local Big Brothers Big Sisters agency if they've moved or become disconnected. So yeah, technology has been just a really critical place uh, for us to invest in and to really grow our mission. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that like data privacy is something that's really important, especially to the the guardians of these of your littles. Tell me a little bit about how you approach that. And I mean, do you get concerns about that or am I just making that up? No, I, I think that that's, you know, that's the importance of working with a really reputable organization like Salesforce is that is that we we put privacy and safety first, um, especially uh, surrounding our young people. I think that's one of the things that's been the most interesting is, is how trusted our organization is, again, in communities since 1904. You know, when, when the pandemic, I always like when, when we talk about trust, I have to share these examples from, from the pandemic uh, and think of the spring of 2020 is we were hearing from our local agencies. Of course, the national office, we're in contact with our local agencies because they're, they're really on the front lines and communities. And you think about what was happening for young people at that time. Uh, schools were closing down. After school programs were going away, suddenly they were cut off from all of these social connections. And so it became just critically important for us that we could uh, plug in, connect. We have match support specialists who are on a monthly basis getting in touch with youth and families already. And so from those relationships, what we found was we, were, we kept doing our calls. We never stopped our match support specialist calls. Our matches didn't end because we're not place-based or relationship-based. So Throughout the pandemic, our bigs and little stayed together. But in those first few weeks, when we were all trying to figure so many things out, big brothers, big sisters, match support specialists were calling the families and guardians in our program. And what they were hearing, and many times were the family saying, you're the first organization that's reached out to us. You're the first person that's asked what we need. And we started to also see reversals where we're an organization who is a part of their life every day. And so parents and guardians are calling us and saying, hey, you know. We are in an AI revolution. And Salesforce is helping customers navigate each new wave of AI. To learn more about the expert guidance and resources they have available, visit sfdc.co slash Salesforce customer success. We might have a problem with rent or there might be uh, a need for us to, to get food or, you know, who do you, Big Rose Big Sisters, who do you recommend? Who's a trusted source for us in the community? And so then we found ourselves being in a position where we had that trusted relationship. And so it speaks a little bit to the importance of having this relationship and, and being in constant contact with our parents and guardians. They were able to build, um, just just build that, I always say like trust, but it's really building the relationship, um, which is sharing the same commitment, which is just to empower the young people in our communities. One other note, just because we, we talk a lot about experience and technology, but you know, I, I, I've, I've shared a lot of positive things about Salesforce and, and it's really true. We we entered the relationship with Salesforce, you know, about five years ago. But what we didn't envision was at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, doing the pivot. We could keep bigs and littles together, but we always wanted to also just keep, you know, we wanted to keep monitoring matches. We want to keep tracking progress and make sure that they're still communicating. And so having a partner like Salesforce, and this is really important to just the overall experience, we were able to create in the matter of months uh, an app that would keep bigs and littles connected but also within, our, within that Salesforce platform. And for, for us, it was critical because 
you know, many of our, our matches uh, preferred to meet in person, right? And go out in the community and do all those great things we see. But by having a, a great technology partner and being investing in technology and experience, we were able to create an app, again, in quick response to the landscape that we were facing and the the, the connection challenges that we had um, to keep our mission going and keep it strong. And most importantly, keep matching young people during a time of, of, of so much uncertainty for all of them. For sure. I mean, I can imagine how that completely changed your entire model going through COVID and like having to respond. How how did you like create that that switch so quickly? What what kind of powered that? And, you know, also from just a leadership perspective, like your team must have been dealing with very different scenarios. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, it was, you know, for us, uh, you know, developing an app where we could keep matches connected, keep them, you know, help support them, monitor them, track progress in real time was, was a really big part of it. I think another one was, uh, I talked a lot about our local agencies being the customers of our national office. And so what we focused on was what was happening on the grounds of communities. And that required us to be reaching out to our local agencies and see what they were hearing. And so many communities were different. The rules and regulations in communities were different. And so what we immediately did was we just started gathering best practices. What's happening around the country? And as a national office, you're able to bring those in. You're able to create resources and toolkits. You're able to coach agencies and help them help them um, get through so much uncertain times. There were a lot of things that we discovered though. We just we discovered that we would never we would never want to shift away from you know being in person and being present with each other to being just technology driven. But we've we've discovered that technology can be enhancing. And as we've come out of the pandemic, we've been able to add supplements where our matches now have curriculums that they can tap into. And maybe if they have something they want to tackle or work on together, they can do it thanks to the support of an app and using our Salesforce app or ways that you could safely get together. You know, a lot of our agencies, we would share best practices around convening together, uh, getting into a park, staying six feet apart, following, you know, always driving back to the rules and regulations of the local health department. Um, but it was really about mobilizing and us over communicating back and forth, both the local agencies to our national office and us to our local agencies, because kids have very, very sophisticated um, social networks. I don't mean like social media. I mean, social networks. When you think of what they might have at school, at church, at their after-school program, within their families, with their teachers. And so with so many being cut off, you know, we really found ourselves standing squarely on our mission and finding ways that we could keep our littles connected. And, you know, coming through the pandemic, that's been a real driver in developing our national outreach campaign, our national brand campaign is we know that we have a waiting list of 30,000 kids. We know that currently one in three kids in America say they're growing up without a positive uh, adult mentor. And so those are the things that drove us to prioritize. We need to bring back a million alumni and champions of our mission to get involved, to be supportive, to be volunteers, to be donors to our mission. And so that's that's been a real driving factor uh, was all of those experiences that we had during the pandemic. Because what we've, what we've learned is that it's just critically important you know, there's really three, three, you know, kind of um, uh, core elements that are, are driving uh, the strategic vision of our, of our mission right now. And we saw them really all come to fruition at some point during those, those tumultuous years around the global pandemic. And, and one was college and career readiness for young people. We saw young people lose their entire senior years of high school and college. And in these last few years, are the fastest growing segment of young people we serve. Everybody thinks that we're a kindergarten through a senior year of high school organization, but we've seen our fastest growing segment of youth uh, served by our mission 
is actually 18 through 25. And that's because young people are graduating from high school and saying, what's next? And you and I, as I'm assuming, former 18 and 19 year olds, know that those are the years that you need a mentor more than ever. And so we've been able to really find ways to connect and create those mentorships. And the conversations might be different than when you're uh, in the fifth grade versus when you're trying to fill out a FAFSA or maybe get ready for a job interview. But college and career readiness has been a key driver. Mentorship for many years has been a proven resource to promoting positive uh, youth mental wellness as we come out of the pandemic. Critically important, and we could continue to see those positive connections. And then, um, as I mentioned earlier, like inclusion and belonging has always been a big part of our program. And so these are the things that are really driving us as we uh, reach out and, and create a campaign that's going to bring in the mentors and the supporters and the advocates that we need to power those uh, those key elements that our, our young people need across the country. Mm-hmm. That's great. How about measuring success? especially knowing like this isn't a a quick interaction, right? There are long-term impacts here. I'd love to understand a little bit more about like what, how are you measuring those long-term effects uh, within the organization? Yeah, we're a people-driven organization. So we have real-time data and real-time insights. And I'll share two because one is how are we doing it every day? But the other is, is how are we looking at it in the big picture? Because everybody, whether you're a nonprofit or you're, or you want to see long-term impact. And so at Big Brothers Big Sisters, when a young person first enrolls in our program, uh, before they get matched, so when they're getting matched with, with their mentor, with their big, they will complete a youth outcome survey. And the youth outcome survey, when they first fill it out, is to create a baseline. And so it asks a series of questions, but really driving towards three things. One what are their, you know, how is their progress? How are they feeling about education and classroom performance? How are they feeling about peer relationships and developing positive relationships with both their peers and other and other uh, friends and adults in their lives? And the third is focused on what is their perceptions around risky behaviors? Uh, think uh, using drugs or alcohol or, or violence. And we want to establish a baseline. And the questions are all geared to be administered to a young person, to be answered by a young person. But each year on the anniversary of being matched with their big, our littles will complete the survey again. And so I shared earlier that, you know, our average match, mentorship match length is over three years. And so we're able to to track progress. And what we see across the board is 80th, 90th, 100th percentiles for uh, either remaining, uh, like maintaining their current status or growing and improving in these areas. And so that is a driving force. Uh, we, our youth outcome survey is something that's critical to help us understand and make sure that our mission is working, that bigs and littles are achieving the goals that they set out for when they're first matched in our program. And then in terms of, of just making sure that we're focused on long-term outcomes, back in, in the 1990s, an organization called Private Public Ventures, PPB, did a longitudinal study on Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America to see if this mission worked, if there were real long-term outcomes. And what they did was a randomized control test. And they would uh, they they had littles, they worked with Big Brothers, Big Sisters across the country, and they looked at littles who were enrolling in our program, and they held out a control group. And for the young people who were in the control group, they were not matched with a mentor in Big Brothers, Big Sisters, but we did connect them with other um, other organizations and supports and resources within their community. Uh, at the end of this of this multi-year study, uh, the PPB study, it's become one of the kind of baseline uh, studies and research studies conducted on on youth development. 
it was it was really groundbreaking because what it showed was that having a mentor uh, in the life of a young person, it provided clear evidence that it was creating more successful outcomes in the classroom, that it was helping them create better relationships with those in their life, and it was helping them avoid risky behaviors. And so that was in the 1990s, right? And so you can only lean on that research for so long. So about four years ago, we partnered with Arnold Ventures to again do a, a new four-year randomized controlled trial. Um, and we got to look, uh, we're about, we're just over halfway through, but we got to do an interim check on how uh, the research is going. And what we saw was that across all three of those key guidelines, how are young people from performing in class? How are young people uh, feeling about the relationships that they can develop with others and their peers? And how can they, how do they feel about uh, risky behaviors? Are they able to stay on, on the right track? All of these things in the interim findings pointed to, to replicating those outcomes that we saw during the PPV study. So we're, we're really excited. Uh, it's going to be really just the interim, the interim findings were excited to us. So we're sitting here thinking like, what's going to happen at the end of four years when we're able to say that impact that we saw back in the 90s is still true today for, to, for our mission. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And then how are you using this information? I mean, whether it's, you know, these studies or even just the day-to-day -day things that you're you're tracking, how do you then kind of harness that data into actions that are driving more signups, more engagement through, you know, marketing and, and you know, the day-to-day -day activities of the organization? Yeah, you know, many. I mean, first, uh, when we're creating resources for our local agencies, for our bigs, for our young people, um, it helps us identify if there's something needed. If our bigs and littles are telling us that they're on track to graduate for high school, how are we preparing programs for them that are, are driven for post-secondary success? We have a program called Big Futures, which has been developed to support young people who are 18 and up. And it's new, right? Because we haven't always as an organization, only in the past 10 years have we been serving youth who are over 18. So this 18 to 25 group is about developing curriculums that are going to support them on their path because they're expecting to attend college or uh, for or a two-year school or a trade school, how do we prepare them to do that? And so that's been something that's been really important to us is it helps us just become better at supporting the mentees in our program. The other thing that's been critically important is it's really supported us in developing uh, foundation relationships and corporate partners because we need investment as an organization to to become to be a part of the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. It's a hundred percent free to the the children and the families we serve. Because we believe mentorship should be free and accessible and equitable to everybody. So there's no charge to get involved. But that means that we need investment to keep those match support specialists there, to make sure that we have staff members who are able to intake the new volunteers that come in our program, to take uh, intake the, the outreach from a family who's looking for support for their young person. So for us, foundation partnerships, corporate partners, critically important. But what they want to know at the end of the day is if they're going to invest in a mission like Big Brothers Big Sisters, are they going to have an impact? And we're able to say definitively, yes, this is the impact that you have by supporting Big Brothers, Big Sisters and our mission of mentorship. Mm -hmm. It's proof. And it's it's so inspiring. That's amazing. I have one last question for you. And I ask everybody this. What is one piece of advice that you think every customer experience leader should know? Oh, this is a, this is a great question. My advice Whenever I enter a project, whenever I'm going into something where we're developing a customer experience, is to start at the end. Envision what you want. For Big Brothers Big Sisters, for our national brand campaign that we've just launched, 
we know that we want to see there's one in three young people across the country who are in need of a positive caring adult mentor. At the end of this campaign, I want to see millions of alumni, of volunteers, and donors, supporters of our mission and advocates as a part of our addressable audience, as a part of this mission, finding new ways to engage them. So knowing that we want to have, that's the grand vision at the end. So I say starting at the end. That's what we want to see. When you do that, you're able to then tick back and identify those milestones, identify those experiences that need to be made, the goals, the measurements, your the timelines, critically to every, critical to any marketing, great marketing project or the timelines. But by starting at the end, you're able to then create this roadmap uh, on this journey that you're going to go on to achieve your goal. And in there, the reason this is important to customer experience is because customer experience is all about relevance first to bring you in, but then engagement to keep you here. And that's where you can, that's where you can create opportunities and engagements that surprise and delight your customer that keep them coming back. And, you know, no campaign is a start and a finish. There's, there's a, there's a journey you're going to go on and it's critical that you make sure you build that journey with your customers in mind, every one of, every one of your different customers and those journeys are going to look very different, but by knowing the goal, they're all going to lead to the same goal. I think that that's the most important that's the most important advice uh, and, and the most important wisdom I can maybe install. I don't know if it is wisdom. I don't want to give myself too much credit there, uh, but that's how uh, I've always approached uh, creating a strong and successful customer engagement strategy. Mm, that's amazing. Eye on the prize. Eye on the prize. Eye on the prize. And, and dream big. Mapping out and dreaming big and then mapping out how we're actually going to get there. And I love what you're saying about really looking at the entire journey that that customer is going to go through and those key points in time that are going to be so critical to their, their engagement. I think. Yeah. What's driving a micro conversion? What, you know, those are, those are the key things that you can identify on that journey. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Adam, thank you so much. This has been such an inspiring conversation. Remind us, where can people go if they want to sign up to, to be a big? Yeah. Remember, it takes little to be big. So join us now. Visit, visit bebignow.org. And, and start your journey uh, and start empowering young people in your community now. There's a lot of ways that you can do it. And remember, we're all the product of mentorship. We've all had mentors in our life. Maybe that wasn't with Big Brothers Big Sisters, but you can join Big Brothers Big Sisters now and we can we can bring mentorship and bring youth empowerment to, to so many kids across the country. And what an incredible way to give back. I, I'm, I'm definitely leaving here inspired. I hope everyone else listening is as well. And one last thing I'll say, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you and we will see you again next time. Thanks so much, Adam. Thank you. Salesforce Customer 360 is the world's number one AI CRM, helping companies build stronger customer relationships, drive faster time to value, and innovate with every technology wave. Learn more about their expert resources and support at sfdc.co slash Salesforce customer success.